midday for the end of a week, and welcome to it on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dirk Christensen. We have a uh, weather flash from uh, Jesse Harding. <laughs> it might be cooler here. It's also in the 60s back at home in Illinois, but I have a friend that lives in Alaska, and so apparently in south-central Alaska they have a warm weather advisory. A warm weather advisory. Yes, it's supposed to be 70 along the coast and about 80 inland, so oh it could be warmer God. than we are today. The igloos are going to melt. Something. More people, I hope they can... They'll fight through that today. What will they do? They have no short sleeve shirts up there, you know. Probably no air conditioning either. (laughs) No, probably not. (laughs) All right, here we go with our headline update, and let's go to the Ag Corner with Jesse Harding. Well, the past few days, Chad Moyer has been in Omaha for the Strip Tillage Conference. We'll get some information from him at the 12-13. Per usual, on a Friday for the 12-19, we're going to be talking with our Nebraska State climatologist, Al Dutcher. Shaley will provide an update with him about what we can expect this weekend, next week, and then a little bit on the long-term forecast. For the Newsmaker, I am with Representative Roger Marshall out of Kansas. We're discussing his Farm Bill listening sessions that will start up next week, Friday. So the topics that we discuss are conservation, immigration, nutrition, cotton, and the lack of USDA nominations and how that might be posing issues when we are talking about trade negotiations and the Farm Bill when there's not really anyone higher up at USDA to talk about these conversations with. And then for the 117, it's Fridays in the Field, and Susan Littlefield is with Boone County farmer Dave Warmer. They talk about the recent jump in growth for the soybeans. They have had some rain since the last time Susan talked with him, so the rain and the heat aided in soybean growth. And then also discussing how corn has overcome a lot of what Mother Nature has tossed its way thus far this year. All right, thanks very much. And let's go on over here. We got some football in last night, Jason. We did. The uh, preseason is underway with the Cowboy Scrubs beating the Cardinal Scrubs 20-18 to on a late field goal. That's true. Coming up, we'll talk some college football. K-State will start the season ranked in the top 25. Of course, they returned most of last year's team. We will get the thoughts of Coach Bill Snyder about that. We'll also talk about one of Nebraska's young running backs that they are very excited about. And tennis defending U.S. Open champion Stan Varenka. He's going to miss the tournament. He's had a tough year. He has a bum knee. And also, it was on this date. This, this is one of my best baseball memories ever. It was on this date. 24 years ago, that a young and scrappy Robin Ventura of the White Sox decided to charge the mound. <laughs> Grizzled veteran Nolan Ryan got him in a headlock and yes, pummeled him for good measure. Locked him again and again. Yeah, it, we say grizzled veteran. You know, Nolan at the time was 43 and seems yeah. old, and, well, that's what I am just about to become. So it kind of puts <laughs> things in perspective. But, yeah, this is the anniversary of that brawl. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to write it down a note here so we can every time we pass on this headline we'll say and now grizzled veteran yes. Jason Jorgensen <laughs> right. and now a confirmed grizzled veteran Bob Brogan no just grizzled <laughs> and uh, on that note U.S. stocks are rising in midday trading following a jobs report that was better than most experts expected interestingly enough Weight Watchers soared 25 percent. Go figure that one. Weight Watchers gains, then. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Uh, And uh, lots of other stuff that we'll pass along to you. All right, Bob, thanks. Thanks, everyone, and stay tuned. It's midday coming up.
Holdridge Irrigation bringing you ag weather as we head on into the weekend. And let's see what's in store with Paul Perkins. We do have some cooler and looks like wetter conditions as we head towards the weekend here. Nobody's going to argue too much with that. No, definitely some areas still missing out on some of these rains of late. And some of us need a booster shot of a little more rain. Temperatures right now still on the cool side after we had a chilly morning this morning. Many areas getting down into the mid to upper 40s in the overnight, especially as you're headed towards the north and west. Right now we're still in the upper 60s to low 70s. It will be slightly warmer today. High pressure sliding off towards Missouri. We're getting on the backside of that, and that will switch our winds to the south. Those clouds beginning to thin over west central Nebraska on into western Kansas, so a lot more sunshine starting to build. Low pressure develops over southeast Wyoming for today. That will drop to southern Kansas tomorrow. Thunderstorms with that area of low pressure developing late today over the high plains. Those will move to the east and southeast for tonight and tomorrow. Instability on the low side for today, so just a few strong storms maybe at best are expected for tonight. Afternoon heating, though, tomorrow could increase that severe threat <clears throat> Excuse me, to the south of I-80 on into Kansas. Temperatures tomorrow going to vary greatly from around 70 in northeastern locations to around 90 across the southwest. Drizzle and rain. May linger a little bit behind that front and system for Sunday on into Monday. There's another good chance of thunderstorms starting to arrive by the mid part of the week. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska, Kansas, and pretty much the eastern three-fourths of the U.S. going to be cooler than normal for temperatures Wednesday through August 17th. Already in central Nebraska, we're on track to see the third or fourth coolest first week of August on record. So it is abnormally cool right now, in case you were thinking it was. Above normal rainfall in the forecast for Nebraska, Kansas, and pretty much the southern two-thirds of the country Wednesday through the 17th. Weather factors in the markets include mild to cool conditions for the central U.S. and a mostly dry pattern continuing in the western Midwest. A series of cold fronts will produce some scattered showers across the northern plains and Midwest before it reaches some deeper moisture that results in locally heavy downpours across the south and east. Significantly below normal temperature is expected across the plains and Midwest the next several days. And hot weather looks to continue Nearly almost indefinitely in the northwest, they've got above normal temperatures forecast for the Pacific Northwest through the long term. There are still some dry areas in Iowa, but some cooler temperatures and some beneficial rain are on the way for the next 7 to 10 days in the central U.S. That will benefit the pollinating and filling of corn and soybeans. Wet areas of the eastern Midwest also expect to have favorable conditions also. In the dry northern plains, below normal rain in the near and long term will maintain their crop stress where losses are already expected. Cooler temperatures, though, will help to offset that lack of rain. Moderate to heavy rain in the southern plains from that monsoon flow of moisture will favor developing crops this next week. The pattern is milder for temperatures in the Canadian prairies where spring wheat is already undergoing notable stress from the dry and warmer than normal weather in the Canadian prairies. All right. Well, they could use all the help they could get. Yeah, it looks like they're not going to get too much in the way of moisture, but at least some cooler temperatures are helping to offset things for them. All right. Holdridge Irrigation bringing you our ag weather this time around. And, uh, well, Paul, I don't know. I guess uh, this... is very nice, but it can't last. When are we going to really see that warm-up come? Well, you know, probably late August is right now is the way it's looking because we're looking at long-term cooler than normal, and, you know, then by late August it really starts to cool off. And uh, already on the 7th year, on Monday, that's going to be the last of the hottest temperatures of the year. Temperatures start cooling off 
the rest of the year on average. We were kind of at a plateau from mid-July to mid-August here for the hottest temperatures of the year. But we'll start to actually start slope down on those temperatures as we move through the rest of August after the 7th. Could be a kind of a long maturing uh, crop year then, huh? Yep, exactly. So okay. <laughs> hopefully it's not too cool for things like that. Very good. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. at agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Values have decreased from last year, according to USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service. Farm real estate value from 2017 averaged $2,900 per acre. That's down $50 per acre, or 2% from last year. As far as cropland value, it decreased 6% from last year to $4,550 an acre. Dryland crop value averaged $3,550 per acre, $250 lower than last year. Irrigated cropland value averaged $6,100. 80 per acre, 380 below a year ago, and pasture land at 930 per acre, which was $20 higher than the previous year. Cash rents paid to landlords in 2017 for cropland were mixed from last year, and irrigated cropland rent averaged $238 per acre, $5 below last year. More information on this can be found at ruralradio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Those are for Nebraska numbers and in Kansas, farm and ranch production expenditures in Kansas totaled $17.7 billion in 2016. That's down 13% from a year ago. And that's according to USDA's National Agriculture Statistics Service. Livestock expenses for the largest expenditure category at $6 billion, a decrease of 23%. Feed is the next largest expense category, which was at $2.50 billion, a decrease of 23%. Rent, the third largest total expense category, was at $1.54 billion, which increased 5% from 2015. Livestock expenses accounted for 34% of Kansas total production expenditures. Feed accounted for 14%, rent 9%, and farm services at 8%. Kansas farm rental estate value and measurement of value of all land and buildings on farms decreased in 2016. Cropland value decreased 4%. Dryland crop value averaged just under $2,000 per acre. Irrigated cropland value averaged $2,850 per acre. Pasture land just about $1,500 per acre. China's Commerce Ministry said on Thursday that all members of the World Trade Organization should abide by its rules and reminded the United States that the two economies are intertwined, saying that, and I quote, we both win through cooperation, we both hurt in a fight, end of quote. The Trump administration is considering invoking a little-use provision of U.S. trade law to penalize China for perceived unfair trade practices, a Wall Street Journal reported on Tuesday. Doing so would mark a break for the two countries' reliance on the World Trade Organization to adjust their disputes and would likely aggravate tensions over North Korea and the South China Sea. U.S. Trade Office has long criticized China's IP enforcement regime for failing to assemblage online privacy of music, films, books, software, and video games. And United States soybeans are reportedly part of China's potential tit-for-tat plan if the U.S. announces trade sanctions, according to Bloomberg. Bloomberg reports that soybeans have been signed out as a top product that can be dialed back according to people familiar with that matter. That's been a look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. 
It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, looking back at this week, I don't think anybody is going to argue with you over these cooler temps. But what can we expect headed into this weekend and next week? Well, I think the big thing on tap is for this weekend is we do have a piece of energy that's going to move through the region. we got cool high pressure in place over the northern plains, and we all get a surface low developing up in the Texas panhandle, and that should push enough moisture up over top of the cool air dorm in place across the central plains to create an overrunning situation, meaning that warm air gets lifted over the cool air, and we tend to get more stratiform-type precipitation with isolated thunderstorms. Uh, that's almost like what we would expect to see in the fall, and of course these temperatures resemble the fall. Those generally, those type of precipitation events, once they get going, everybody shares in the well. It doesn't mean that you're going to be excessively wet, but we tend to see more uniform coverage in terms of precipitation. Something we've been desperately uh, been lacking the last couple of weeks is we've seen isolated thunderstorms develop, localized heavy precipitation, but your neighbor down the road receives nothing. This looks like a fairly widespread event. It looks like the heaviest precipitation right now is being targeted for northwest Missouri, northeast Kansas, and potentially southeastern Nebraska with over two inches of moisture potentially developing. If that's just a little bit farther to the north, then we could see much more of that moving into the eastern one-third of the state with moderate precipitation totals across the western part of the state. As we get into late Saturday and into Sunday, the models are hinting at at least drying conditions starting to develop in the western half of the state. Uh, depending on which model run you look at, the precipitation hangs on or clears the eastern half of the state during the first half of Sunday. And then we go into a slightly cooler, drier pattern, at least for the first couple days of next week, will be persistently temperatures in the upper 70s to low 80s. And then we look at another piece of energy trying to develop as we get in the midweek period, make actually come in a northwest flow and cool us down once again, giving us another shot of decent moisture in our region. And then, of course, we keep the cool conditions in place, and the models are hinting at this cool trend lasting all the way through between the 16th and the 18th before we start to see some signs of a ridge building in from the western United States. So since we're in a northwest flow in this cool trough that has been positioned over the eastern United States, the temperatures will offer sufficient if we can get enough uh, energy at the surface moving through to generate shower activity with an unstable environment. And so scattered thunderstorm activity, particularly in the western half of the state, is highly likely as we go in from next week and to the following week as we catch more than monsoonal flow. And one item we want to mention, this has been showing up on the models now for three consecutive days, is that a tropical system is expected to develop as it moves off of Africa right now. The storm track of this system takes it essentially close to the Florida coast. The last two days of model runs were kind of split, taking it more into the southeastern United States with a couple of them taking it into the Gulf of Mexico. Current projections of this storm is at least to get a little bit more interesting as, as that system is expected to be approaching the Leeward Islands as we go into the 10th and the 11th of the month. And then from there, we'll just have to wait to see how the storm track evolves. A uh, 50-50 shot based on what I'm seeing that it could go through into the Gulf of Mexico and impact more of the western high plains, whereas it goes up the eastern seaboard, probably won't be much of a benefit for the Corn Belt, more likely going to be those areas east of the Appalachian region that would receive the copious amounts of moisture with this system if it does materialize. All right, thanks so much. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. 
For more, you can always visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the Huskers continue on with their first week of training camp. And offensive coordinator Danny Langstorff says freshman running back Jalen Bradley has been impressive so far. Yeah, he's really athletic, and he's talented that way, which has stood out to me. He's got a, a ways to go in, in learning and understanding what we're doing, but he's working on it. And then when he has the ball in his hands, he's explosive. It's been fun to see. Bradley last year set numerous state rushing records while helping Bellevue West to the Class A state title. Thanks to the backing of 18 returning starters, Kansas State is ranked 19th in the nation in the preseason Amway Coaches Poll. It's the first time the Wildcats have been ranked in the preseason Coaches Poll in three years. Head coach Bill Snyder talks about going into a season with a little higher expectations. You've heard me say so many times, every season presents new dynamics. Each season is, is different from the previous regardless. If you hit all of them back, it's still different. I mean, NFL is, uh, you know, is uh, a perfect example of that. You know, you have to earn it. Alabama starts the season as usual, ranked number one, while Ohio State is second. Nebraska is not ranked in the preseason top 25. The Great Plains Athletic Conference held its 18th annual football media day in South Sioux City yesterday. The day featured comments from all nine of the league's football coaches. Morningside is once again the preseason pick to win the GPAC title. Dakota Wesleyan was picked second, while Doan is selected third. In the NFL, Dolphins coach Adam Gaze said knee surgery is an option for quarterback Ryan Tannehill, a decision that would likely sideline him for the entire season. Gaze says it's possible Tannehill can avoid surgery, as he did when he first hurt his left knee last December. But that injury forced him to miss the final four games of the season. He hurt that knee again this week while scrambling at practice. An MRI was inconclusive, and Gaze says the Dolphins will seek second and third opinions on their options. Well, Yub Darvish makes his debut with the Dodgers tonight when L.A. takes on Jacob deGrom and the New York Mets in a marquee pitching matchup at City Field. The Dodgers acquired Darvish from Texas just before Monday's trade deadline. And in a potential playoff preview, the Nationals visit the Cubs for a Wrigley Field matinee. It's a team start a big weekend three-game series. And defending champion Stan Marinka has pulled out of the U.S. Open with an injured knee. He made that announcement today that he will sit out the rest of the year because of that injury. He joins a man that he beat in last year's final at Flushing Meadows. Novak Djokovic is calling it quits for this season because of an injury as well. That's all the good sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly sunny for the rest of the day with a high near 77. South winds at 5 to 10. Tonight, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly after 2 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low of around 60. For Saturday, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly before 2 a.m., mostly cloudy, with a high near 79. Southeast winds at 5 to 15 miles an hour. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. An investigation of the Nebraska State Patrol has confirmed claims that members of the command staff, including former Colonel Brad Rice, improperly manipulated internal investigations and downplayed reports of excessive use of force and sexual harassment within the agency. The report says Rice, who was fired last month as head of the patrol, interfered with at least four internal investigation cases. The report's findings were presented at a State House news conference by Chief Human Resources Officer Jason Jackson. Governor Pete Ricketts was asked whether the report contained any surprises. 
We knew that there were issues that we had to investigate. What We didn't have any predispositions about where the review would go. We basically decided to follow the facts where they would lead us. That Those facts led us to the termination of Colonel Rice uh, you know, within a week of having started that review. And then what you'll see is the recommendations that are being that uh, were being led to are a result of the further review of those. So there's a number of different areas that uh, we touch upon in this report from some of the things with regard to the colonel's behavior, the command staff, internal policies and procedures, interactions with uh, Slebic, uh, how we can do better inventory control, how we can do better on workplace harassment policy. There's a number of different things that are being covered in this report that all came from uh, Jason's review on how we can improve our operations. The investigation released Tuesday comes just two days after a female trooper filed a lawsuit alleged she was subjected to invasive and medically unnecessary pelvic exams by a doctor as a condition of employment. The 2017 Nebraska State Fair opens later this month in Grand Island with a tribute to the state's anniversary. The theme is Celebrate the State 150. A mobile exhibit called Trekking Through Nebraska is currently traveling the state in honor of the 150th anniversary, the sesquicentennial. State Fair Executive Director Joseph McDermott says the fair will have the exhibit on the grounds. It's going to be an exhibit, um, obviously, that teaches people about uh, the history of the state of Nebraska and some of the things that have happened over the past 150 years. Uh, we're very excited to have that. Um, <clears throat> also, we are going to have a, um, a Chautauqua, a mini Chautauqua, I might, I might say. Um, we're going to have uh, musical performances, um, actors uh, come in and um, play music and, and, and perform um, from oh, things from the past 150 years within the state of Nebraska. Trucking Through Nebraska is a fun, hands-on children's museum that will provide kids and families a way to learn about the state's history. The State Fair will run August 25th through September 4th. Get your news first and fast when you like our Facebook page. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. to 2018, representatives and senators are kicking off Farm Bill listening sessions. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. On the phone with us from Kansas is Representative Roger Marshall, who will be kicking off his own sessions this coming week. Representative, why don't you first talk to us a little bit about cotton and where that might fit into this year's Farm Bill? Well, first of all, here in Lexington, I got a shout out. I bet my my cousin Gary White's listening, and I bet my wife's aunt Pauline White's listening, so i got to shout out to them and say hi. Uh, big ag producers up there, and just wonderful inspirations uh, to me. I'm going to start by saying that we need to figure out a way to uh, make this work for everybody. Um, I think we're all convinced that we need to get, get caught in the, in the Title one and, and move on. So I think there's a way to do it. We just got to figure out some uh, finances and get some scores back from the CBO. So we're going to get that done. Conservation issues might play an important role in this upcoming farm bill. What are some of the things you would like to see and or hear from producers during your listening sessions? As far as conservation goes, you know, I think we, we sort of like the, the equip programs, the buffer systems have done a great job. Uh, but but I don't know that we need a whole lot of more acres in CRP total. I think we kind of towed the line there where we are now. We'll probably be pretty happy. Uh, there are some states that would like to have more, but from my, from, my, from downtown Great Bend, Kansas, is that we have enough land in CRP. And, and we do. We've got some incredible CRP opportunities for hunting uh, throughout Kansas. Now, 
Colin Peterson from up here in Minnesota thinks that they need more CRP. Uh, so that there's some erodible acres, some wetlands that, that are not very productive, and so maybe that would be an opportunity. But we're going to stick with more of the buffer programs. Uh, so I just don't, I don't think we have the budget right now to increase CRP much, if, much if any, and that's the practical side of it for me. But certainly I am a person who's benefited from CRP and, and think it's a wonderful tool and, and great uh, for hunting. Uh, interesting thing in Texas, I learned that 10% of their ag income is related to hunting and fishing. Uh, so they really uh, count that as part of the agriculture as well. When it comes to Kansas and other rural areas, there are food shortages in areas. It's just not an urban issue. So when it comes to the nutrition aspect of the Farm Bill, what are some things you'd like to see there? The causes of hunger are, are, are multifaceted, and no one really, I've asked that question, why? Why is, why is it around Junction City that in a, in a district, the largest ag-producing district in the country with mountains of grain sitting there going nowhere, could we have food insecurity issues? So I haven't got that figured out. But I do know that there's so many local resources that do a great job. Our senior citizens, the Mills on Wheels, the food banks, I've seen them personally. My wife volunteered for the food banks for several years. I think they do a great job. And I want to make sure that we keep prioritizing any type of nutritional supplements we have to those who need it the most, to our senior citizens, to children, to people on disabilities. So I just want to make sure that we're prioritizing those dollars. 80% of the Farm Bill budget typically goes towards nutrition. I think anyone who thinks we can separate nutrition from the Farm Bill is living in a different decade, if not an entirely different century. The Farm Bill ties those who are hungry to those who make the grains, who make the bread, who make the meat for us. So I, I think that it, it's great to talk to them in one subject matter. One of my big things that I've pushed really hard is the Dole McGovern aid that we've supported in years past. It's a program for food for at schools throughout the world that's done a great job. One of those concepts of a hungry belly is, is much more likely to bring more than a full belly. So nutrition is a big part. It was great to have one of the congressmen from the inner city of Philadelphia there uh, today, Dwight Evans, who's a, who's a Democrat on the Ag Committee, one of my fellow freshmen who I've got to know very well. And to hear him talk about the nutrition needs in his community, and therefore he certainly understands and respects why it's so important to have a strong uh, farm bill. I want to ask you about the lack of USDA nominees making it to that point and being in the system, whether it comes to renegotiation of trade deals and not having those key people there or having people there when it comes to farm bill discussions. Does that pose a worry for you as we are working through some of these issues? Yeah, it's a it's a huge problem. I, Eric's going to, or Dalton is going to tell me, remember, we only have two people that have been confirmed we have one person in place, so Sonny Purdue is the only person in USDA that's been confirmed, and we have two more that have been nominated, leaving 15 or 16 seat, uh, spots open. So sure, it's a huge concern, and it's just not in that department. It's in every department right now. The Senate has been very slow to uh, get these going. Uh, it's a huge problem for the USDA, and particularly in, in trade. Well, the USTR has been uh, confirmed as well, so we have two spots. So you're, you're spot on. It's a huge concern. Uh, I'm glad the Senate is there and working. Maybe they can get caught up with us on the House side.
And this isn't quite farm bill related, but when it comes to immigration and migrant workers in Kansas, what are some of the things that you would like to see or would be working on with this administration? The top concern that I'm hearing in southwest Kansas right now is a workforce problem. We have 20,000 open jobs in Kansas right now. People are desperate for workers, especially in southwest Kansas. For that matter, Manhattan, Kansas is desperate for, for workers as well. And that's also a theme that I'm hearing throughout these hearings as well, that, that some type of a simpler, more uh, comprehensive work visa program is very necessary. We're excited that Chairman Goodlatte on the Judiciary Committee is starting to come up with a blueprint to move forward on that. So that certainly was one more theme from this week's hearings. We've been talking with Representative Roger Marshall of Kansas about his Farm Bill listening sessions that will kick off on Friday, August 18th. More information about those dates, times, and locations can be found by visiting RollRadio.com. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Back with you here on the Roll Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish, joined by Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. We're going to take a look at how the livestock closed today, Joe. Just uh, up one, down the other when you compare hogs and cattle. Hogs were a little bit higher and uh, cattle a little bit lower, so there's probably some uh, spreading going on there, and rightfully so. It's been going the other way for uh, quite some time, so I think uh, some profit-taking showing up. Plus the fact that uh, the deep discount in the hogs, uh, we are in August. We aren't that far, uh, just over a week now. We'll be actually six business days, and uh, the, the August hogs uh, expire. So uh, need to uh, narrow that up, despite the fact that the index is coming down rather quickly. But cash today was seemed to be a little bit better, and uh, uh, cutouts uh, bouncing back. So the hogs uh, had some reasons for uh, having a little bit of strength. Over in the cattle, uh, uh, spent most of the day lower, uh, really uh, didn't see a whole lot uh, uh, to bring things back. Uh, the uh, cash sales were a little bit better uh, so far this week, but uh, uh, nothing drastic. Cutouts were uh, down again at noon on light volume, not showing uh, the kind of uh, activity that uh, one would want. But the fact is, we had livestock close higher, all three of them, higher for the week. So, not a bad week overall. Yeah, to get him to close higher, very good. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. This is the Rural Radio Network. Time once again for Fridays in the Field. And believe it or not, yes, I am in a sweatshirt at the beginning of August. Some cool mornings where it was only in the upper 50s to lower 60s and bringing some winds. But as we find out, it's good for the crops. Let's check in with Dave Warner, just outside of Petersburg, Nebraska. You know, we we went a long ways with this corn since we were last year a month ago. You know, we, we've been through pollination. You know, we've got some much-needed rain, but we are way behind. You know, we are probably seven and a half to eight inches behind normal right now, or being close to normal. So, you know, in my opinion, we are still in a, a severe enough drought or a modern drought here to, to be concerned to where we've got some corn, some dryland corn. It's actually pollinated very well. You know, we got timely rains, just enough to pollinate it. But if it doesn't keep raining, you know, we're, we're going to be in big trouble. It, it'll just start taking from the top of the year down and, you know, 
it's got to keep the plant alive so it'll rob from the air. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of, like I said, a lot of time to go yet before we get into, before we get into harvest time. You know, we're just, we're in the critical part of this right now because if we don't keep enough water to this corn, it will start tipping back real hard and there goes a lot of our yield. Mother Nature does her own thing with soybeans. You know, they are all about daylight sensitive. So, like I said, when we were here the last time, we just went past the fullest day of the year, the end of June. And so these beans actually were thinking about reproductive and they were so small and I was like, geez, we need to get something moving here, you know, or we're gonna have a total disaster. Now, saying that for where we're at right now, oh, Susan, I, I, I tell you, there might be great beans around the country. I heard them talking this morning about having a record crop soybeans in the United States. Well, I, it's not going to be right here. You know, we, like I said, last year's hard to beat. Everybody across the board, dry land irrigated was, I mean, it was just unheard of things that were happening. You know, this year's not going to be there. You know, and I can see that from now to where, where we were last year potting wise and how many pods we have on the plant. We have probably 10% less pods right now. And depending on Mother Nature and the way we are going into the end to fill these top clusters when they start to bloom and, and fill, you know, we, we could be worse than that. Not trying to be doom and gloom, I'm just putting into perspective of where we were last year with these beans versus where we will be this year. We did, we did start uh, and put on more nodules. As you can see, it takes nodules to fixate nitrogen to, to make these beans grow. So, you know, they did start to fix nitrogen later on. But it, it took two weeks after you were here to get them to do that. I, w I seriously was very concerned where we were going with this bean crop and how we were going, you know, to, uh, to justify what we were doing, you know, and the dollars we were putting into this crop. You know, like I said, we were, we were, we were spraying some of these beans three times because, you know, we had palmer coming back, palmer amaranth, pigweed coming back. We had water hemp because we were not shading the row enough. And so these weeds would kill them. And then in 10 days, they were boom, just coming right back up again. Your grass, especially, you know, grass, we'd kill it. It'd, it'd get another flush within a week. And it's like, it was very tough to decide where we stop and how much money we put into these beans. Well, now, you know what? They, they started fixing nitrogen. We are getting up there. The beans, you know, started growing. We do still have some weed problems around. You know, we still have some water hemp issues in some of these fields. But, you know, we are at the point now where we can't spray anything on them because, you know, we're off label. And so we just got to deal with what we have this year. We're seeing a lot more dirty fields this year than we ever have been just for that fact that we wouldn't canopy enough early enough. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Here on the Rural Radio Network, time for our closing grain market analysis. With us, John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniel Zach Marketing in Chicago. He also publishes the newsletter This Week in Grain. So just kind of a quiet trade on a Friday here for us, John. Yeah, absolutely. I actually cut out the officer with my cell phone about 30 miles east of the Quad Cities right now, driving uh, uh, from Chicago just across northern Illinois, and things look pretty good up here. Uh, you know, I think the, the report on Monday maybe even just as important as the Wazi on Friday to see if a lot of these conditions up here in northern Illinois are kind of, I guess, recognized and, and kind of how that takes the, uh, the nationwide average here after a week of cool and wet weather. It's kind of interesting because as you get into Iowa, we hear things are still pretty dry. So we're going to, you know, things appear to be spotty all across the Corn Belt, and we really need to rely on some of these uh, infield surveys, don't we? Yeah, I think that it'll. 
it's going to be a slow year, and I think if everybody's looking for a resolution and what the deal's going to be come Thursday, it's, you know, it's just a turning of a page, so to speak. I think, you know, the reports as we get into September, and I could see this, this being a late crop right now, just looking out. I mean, it, it, everything looks behind in this two-week stretch here where we're going to struggle to get out of the 60s and 70s. I think it's, it's just going to keep, uh, I guess, the foot on the brake, so to speak. And I think as we get into... You know, September, October time frame, that's when I look to the market to maybe catch up and, and uh, you maybe have a better chance to make some sales than you do right now when you had a lot of old crop coming up for delivery, uh, basis this week, river week, river basis this week, and, and I think the news flow could turn a little more positive once we get to the back end of the fourth, uh, third quarter into the fourth quarter. Had a little strength on the close in the corn. Were we just oversold? Did corn surprise you at all today? I, I think it, you, you said it's oversold, just running into some downside resistance targets. You know, I think there's a little more to go if you wanted to ring this thing out, push it down to, say, I don't know, 365 December. But uh, I don't think there's a whole lot there below that price, given the uh, the uncertainty at this point. Very quiet in beans, obviously. Were folks just running uh, to wait on the weather and just maybe staying out of uh, being uh, long or short here over the weekend in beans? Yeah, we're very well priced. I mean, if you look back where the average of the last 200 days, it comes in right at this price. So... You know, feels like we're weak right now, and I certainly understand that given the price of being above 10. But, uh, you know, we're still stronger than we were at the beginning of the year. And I think as, as we get into, say, you know, the back half of this year, you know, you could look for some Chinese growth. You could look for a lot of things to happen to push price. And, again, this is a slow crop. So, I, you know, it's, it's still kind of July type of an environment right now. It's a lot of development will go. John Payne with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. As he said, watch the uh, USDA report coming out Monday afternoon and also, obviously, the WASDE report coming up August the 10th. Go to Daniel's Ag Marketing for more information. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.